0: Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everyone, it's Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. Let's get straight into it. It's uh, Mandalorian time. Uh, we just watched episode two. So just a, a word of warning. If you haven't seen it yet, maybe um, take a bit of... Of a uh, rain check on this episode until you've seen that uh, chapter 10 of The Mandalorian because um, I would not like, I would hate to spoil anything for anyone. All right, but having said that, let's just do it. Um, Loved it. Another great episode. Um, I, uh, as you know, as I was watching it, I knew I could predict certain reactions, and lo and behold, they have. Been uh, what I thought, which is that um, there are people who felt who feel a bit impatient for the main story. Um, they, you know, people calling this a filler episode because it doesn't really advance the overall story too much. Uh, yeah, I I get what they're what they're saying, but um, I just think probably once we've got the the big picture in front of us once the whole show is done then um episodes like this will sit really nicely within the the overall story i mean like i like i was saying about uh this clone Wars rewatch i'm doing like um there were episodes that i remember watching them as they were being released and i remember feeling kind of you know frustrated or even bored with those um but when I'm watching, you know, the the entire thing as a united story, those, uh, so those episodes work for me. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see the same thing um, once uh, the Mandalorian is completely finished. Um, I mean, something I got to say that makes me really happy to say is that um, I've been feeling almost kind of sad that um, I seem to be the only person on the planet not head over heels in love with the show uh, <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous you know like i've felt so kind of saddened and disappointed by the um the division within the fandom and then finally something comes out that almost everyone loves and i'm the one who's like eh, it's good <laughs> it's very good um and the good news is, uh, is that these the two uh episodes that we've seen of season two so far, I think have both been super good. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I have uh, I've I'm getting over COVID nineteen. Actually, I, I was one of the lucky ones where I didn't get that sick. You know, I just had a fever for a couple of days. Um, but uh, you might hear that my voice is a little bit different to normal. Um, anyway, um, there was a little bit still left over in the first episode of the season, but in this episode, I think that, like, I so- I didn't see a single piece of evidence that this is like Star Wars on a TV budget. Um, like, uh, chapter nine. I thought overall was fantastic. Woo, I'm I mean I'm still pumped about that episode. Loved it. Um, but there was still like <clears throat> for example the Twilek door guy, right at the beginning of the episode when um when Din Jaron is uh, heading into that um you know, fight club or whatever that is. I don't know, there was just something a bit clunky about how or uh, clunky as I like to say about how he he was framed or just about how about his facial expression or something and I just I just feel like uh if this was a movie they would take the time to uh, experiment a bit or do a couple more takes just to get it really shined to a fine polish um but um, overall, I, I thought it was like the best episode we've had had so far. And then in this episode, I have to say there were like none of those little moments that make me go like ah, this. It's, it's, it's this is almost there. Um, let's start in the beginning. I mean that opening um, that opening skirmish with the with bounty hunters as he's returning. Um, from Miss Pelago, Moss Pelago, whatever it was called, Moss Pelgo. Ah, I don't remember. But when he's heading back uh, to uh, pick up his ship and stuff, I mean that was just a cool opening shot. And I should mention, that, um, this is the episode directed by Peyton Reed, who you would know as the um, the Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp director. So I mean, obviously. That, you know we should be um encouraging tv directors to be involved but i'm i'm influenced by the uh the big star name to be honest um i thought that you know the that the fact that favreau directed the first episode of the season like you could just see the you could see the style and the confidence in it and um no difference here like i i really felt like uh having a um you know a, a film director benefited the episode i just love how you see um you see the mandalorian screaming across the desert you get a great long shot of it um i love the setup of that uh, trap that these um bounty hunters have laid for him and bam man when he hits that rope and um, baby Yoda goes flying and I love how he uses the jetpack to like uh, stop himself from hitting the ground. Then you see the the uh, that speeder bike cartwheeling and passing past him. It just had real like energy and real like like it was shocking in a way. And I think that was just super effective. And then that fight scene was super good, except for this this guy who kind of looks like a uh, death a Zabrak. At one point he. He goes to quote unquote stab the Mandalorian, but it looks like a very movie stab where he looks like he's not even really aiming to hit him. But other than that, every single second in that, I mean, when when that final bounty hunter picks the um, the jetpack as the prize he wants, you know, for the return of Baby Yoda, and <laughs> Dinjer just sends him into the into the sky, Oh, it, it was so hilarious, I thought that was really strong, um, <clears throat> really fun, uh, to see the, uh, the Mos Eisley Cantina again, and I thought that it was actually kind of even better than in episode five, it was, I liked that it felt a bit more lively, um, interesting to hear different musical sound in there which was pretty cool um dr mandibles <laughs> was that this name <laughs> playing sabak with uh with peli M- motto i think her name is that was cool um i love that new character the frog lady i just think um That sense of the ridiculous that is really important for Star Wars. It's so good to see that it's there. And, um, you know, Baby Yoda trying to eat her precious eggs throughout the episode was kind of gross, but kind of great. I I love Peli Motto speaking her language. Yeah, again, the silliness was, uh, but it's silly, but really mm, wonderful. Um,. Now, <clears throat> one moment that I thought was like really revealed a the TV budget and b the lack of um, experience on the part of Dave Filoni was it at the beginning of ep- of chapter five, um, that uh, that dogfight between um, Din Jaran and the Razorcrest and a uh, some bounty hunter. To me, it didn't look at all as good as the films, which is partly why I was, I've always been so surprised that people are like, oh, it looks so good. Like, it could be a, like, just looks like the movies, you know. I just don't agree. Um, or I haven't agreed until up to this season. Uh, so I was super happy to see that the, all the stuff with the two X-Wings and the Razor Crest, to me, looked 10 out of 10 looked amazing um i loved that tense uh conversation between the x-wing pilots and uh din Djarin as din jaron as he's uh yeah trying to avoid giving away his identity and i just like that shot when the the s foils open up i mean that's it's it's great and the the chase um, I just thought it was super dynamic. It looked great. Um, it had the energy and the movement that it should have. Um, and that that move where he like basically puts the razor crest in free fall but backwards. Awesome, loved it. Um, and I have to say, like the like. I know that like Dave putting Dave Filoni in in the cockpit of an X wing, it's like it's um, Easter egg or a stunt casting or whatever, you know. Um, But to me, he's a really convincing X wing pilot. I just think like when you look at the original um, Star Wars or the original trilogy, like the 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 pilots are all kind of like. Lumpy and uncool looking. They look like regular dudes who are, you know, they're just doing what kind of what they have to do. Um, Doing their duty for the galaxy. And uh, these two, not just uh, Dave Filoni, but the other gentlemen. I thought they were perfect. Like And this kind of um, resigned kind of a way they have of talking where they you know, they they're, they're doing their, their job, you know, uh, that, I thought that worked great. Um, so yeah, I loved that. I love that whole sequence. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, then, uh, and I just, I like the way that the, like, I think, w- so one thing that immediately didn't, sit super right for me in the um in the first episode was like a the the razor crest cockpit to me looked too clean and perfect um i understand that like nice ships in in the galaxy have like clean and organized interiors and uh, the fact that we've spent so much time on um the millennium falcon maybe gives us the idea like all ship interiors should look like that but um, anyway, I always felt like, A, the interior of the Razorcrest was always a bit too crisp. Um, and this episode had, all, like, it's starting to show the amount of shit that that uh, ship's been through, you know. And I thought that, that added to my endu- enjoyment of it. And also, like, I just remember in that first episode when you had uh, Mr. Blue Guy there. It just felt like the stuff in the cockpit was really like static and like the star field wasn't moving much and i know that like if you're thinking about like realistic realistically speaking like stars are so far away that they don't they're not going to move much even when you're moving very quickly but it it kind of ruins the sense of movement i think so uh all the stuff in the razor crest cockpit to me felt more dynamic more energetic and i liked it um now that crash and all that snow coming in and everything was super cool um yeah again i just think visually it all looks fantastic um i really liked that scene where of uh, where she walks off and mando follows her and finds her in that pool i just thought like it's it's quite a, a peaceful nice moment um, but, uh, re- re- yeah, thumbs up for that, like that. And then, pff, baby Yoda needs a bit of a talking to, <laughs> cause he sparks, oh, those freaking ice spiders, man, they were gross, but so well done, like hats off to the special effects people and hats off to the whole production crew. That whole chase was just really totally like exciting, really nail biting. Um, the spiders were so revolting, like really like cool designs and the way they moved and that kind of white color, all awesome. Um, the stuff, you know, using those grenades to, to blow up one of the big ones was cool. And I, you know, this is all like, not, not exactly galaxy shaking events, you know, um, Am I looking forward to seeing something a bit more um significant happening? Yeah. But when it's done this well, like I'm 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 happy to be just watching it the way it the way it is. Um But uh yeah, I I liked um like it did did it feel a little easy that those X Wing pilots came along to save the day and then Not only save the day, but also let him off. Yeah, maybe. But, um... The Rebel Alliance are the good guys. And I'm pretty happy to see them being the good guys. And being a bit understandable. Or understanding, sorry. Towards people in a way that the Empire wouldn't be. So, um, yeah. That was cool. Um... As I said, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into a bit more like the meat of the story, but um, I think these first two episodes of the season have been bangers. And I am so happy to be able to say that since, um, yeah, I was feeling like uh, a bit of a fart, feeling like a fart in an elevator uh, before considering, you know, that... Everyone on the planet is having so much fun with this show, and I'm. I seem to be the only one not <laughs> joining in the fun. Mm. But this really bodes well for the future of this series and upcoming other Star Wars properties. Like, I always thought, like, I always liked the concept. I like, I think the characters are pretty good. I, I didn't love Cara Dune as much as others. Because I just think that, um, the acting's a bit halfway there, you know. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm really excited that this, like, so far, I think this is better than season one. And I think, um, if they can get, like, already, if it's, like, visually this good on the second season, then, um... It's going to just keep it getting better and better and the other shows like uh, Cassian and Kenobi are going to benefit from their experience and be able to really blow our hair back visually. So um, this is all very, very positive. Alright, the other thing I want to talk about is the Mortis Trilogy from Season 3 of The Clone Wars. Um, It's always mentioned when um, people talk about must-watch arcs from the show. And um, yeah, no different. I always have held it, you know, in my memory as a real, you know, unmissable part of the Star Wars mythology. Um, So I just watched that. For the first time since it originally aired. And I gotta say... It was still very... It was still great. But, um, um... There were some things that didn't... That I didn't love, to be honest. Like, just stuff like when... So, the sun, who is the like Im- embodiment of the dark side. When they say stuff like... Oh, he has fallen to the dark side. I just feel like, but he's a he's a living embodiment of the dark side. How can he fall to the dark side? I just felt a bit like it's just uh, that gives me a bit of a feeling of things like not being really thought through a hundred percent. Even though I mean, yeah, I don't know, but it yeah, and uh, I can imagine like it would bother some people to see like embodiments of the force walking around and talking and stuff um yeah but yeah it was great but i i do i did think like there were things about it that i didn't love as much it was great to see qui-gon Jin. i thought that was cool um yeah i was happy about that um but uh, yeah I'm still having fun with the the Clone Wars chronolog- chronological rewatch. Um I can't remember where what's next after this, but um yeah, good fun. All right. Uh let's do it. I'm in the mood for some Rise of Skywalker commentary action. So, here we go. All right, so we've uh, just had that um, I think supposed to be a kind of a inspiring you know speech and then uh, you see the rebel fleet taken off from uh, Agent Kloss. Let's turn that volume down a little bit, ah, it does look cool though, woo here we go, so Ray arriving at Exegol, just cool to see, cool to see Ray in, in the cockpit of an X-wing um, I like the shots of these uh, from the the bridge of these Sith star-, star destroyers, but it is interesting to go like directly from the Mandalorian to this and see the the film grain on this compared to the Mandalorian, which I guess is filmed digitally. Yeah, I mean, I love. Look at Ray. Look at her! Ah, oh, that determined walk from uh, from the X-wing towards Palpatine's lair. I just love the sound design, the sound of those um, lightning strikes. Give that a ten out of ten. We get to see the rest of the fleet uh, following Rays lead through this uh, more cut type situation. Oh, I mean, I just, again, visually, I th- just think this this movie is a, a 10 out of 10, uh, you know, whatever you think about it, you know, the rest of it. Now, uh, yeah, we... Here we see the... Um, this uh, space battle start, and I just, ah, this is such a missed opportunity to me, like, I just remember the first time I I saw it, it just felt like a pretty chaotic, like a bunch of stuff just kind of flying around, shooting at each other, and it didn't have those little vignettes that you have uh, in great stuff like Rogue One, Return of the Jedi, and, of course, the greatest... Episode four, um, where you really get to like follow a pilot for a moment and get a little bit invested in that person and get worried when he's, you know, getting tailed by TIE fighters. It just seems it's a bit more like pointless, I guess, or <laughs> just you know. But um some some still there are some uh, I think the more I watched it the more I found little moments to appreciate uh now we see uh yeah ray she sees these this cloning facility the where we saw kylo in the beginning of the film man i'm jealous of that sound design it's super cool um snap wexley now i'm a fan used to be not a non-fan but you know But this, I mean, this kind of uh, assault on the um, the navigation tower. I don't really feel like this was a, um, a well-thought-out plot point. I just feel like, you know, that just feels a bit arbitrary and... like I think so you look at the the, the you look at the kind of, like the aspects of what's going on here you've got the space battle going on over the over the planet we've got this assault on the navigation thing and you got rays rays situation with palpatine i just feel like like rays thing with palpatine I, i'm like I don't think it's perfect, but I like I like it. Um, but this assault with the space horses... I don't know. When you compare it to stuff like Return of the King, it's just... Nah, not not nearly as killer. Like, it just feels a bit... Like, what are they doing? Like, who... Why are they running over here? Why are they just shooting at it? uh, from space, Ah, I don't know, it just feels um, like they were desperately trying to throw together um, you know, this kind of classic Star Wars uh, thing of, you know, multiple stuff going on at once at the climax of the film, Uh, yeah, but uh, here we go, now we get some Ray confronting Palpatine stuff, which I am a fan of. Like, it feels a bit like, okay, this is the end of the Skywalker saga. What could possibly live up to that level of expectation, you know, for the end? Um, This comes close, though, I think. Now, this... um, this amphitheater full of chanting Sith loyalists. I'm going to pause it for a second. I have to say, when I first watched it, I assumed that they were not physical people. I thought this was kind of a... Um, yeah, almost like a, a... You know, that was symbolically there. Or that they... It could be, you know, because Palpatine talks about the fact that this is like... Um, that, you know, all these, like, generations of Sith live in him, and I thought maybe this was a visual representation of those generations of Sith living in him, but I think they are really there, which is pretty nuts, because that's a lot of, it's a lot of people. Mm. Ah, the Palpatine voice. i turn up a little bit. Mm. I love this uh, contraption that he's hooked up to That that's, you know, keeping him alive. I just think he looks awesome. Design team did a great job on Palpatine for this. Hmm. I mean, that, oh, that long arm with all that mechanical weird stuff hanging off it. Fantastic. I've come to end them. I yes. No. Oh, I mean, this is a this, this is a good sign that you know, watching this stuff makes me kind of want to just turn it, just turn it back to the beginning and watch it properly. You know, whatever you want to say about it, I just think there's so much to li- like about this film. Wow, you will be empress. We will be one. All right, I'm gonna pause it there. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this ending part is pretty dense, so I'm gonna gonna do it in smaller bits probably. All right. Um, yeah, as I said, I am still a bit sick, so um, I'm gonna keep this short. Uh, awesome again to be. Two episodes into The Mandalorian Season 2. Super happy that uh, I'm enjoying it so much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, with, of course, with um, the third episode in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Um, I am guessing that probably we're going to get a, a chunk of uh, stuff from the main story in the next episode. That will be exciting. Alright, get in touch if you wanna. You can probably know where to find me. Uh, Thanks for listening. This is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me.